Let's face it, sales can be incredibly tough. In fact, for many people, sales has a terrible reputation. But when done right, it can be one of the most rewarding and fulfilling career paths, creating enormous impact on our customers, all while generating an ultra-lucrative income stream and financial future for ourselves and for our families. Whether you've been selling for years or just getting started, you know that building a massive pipeline of opportunities is the key to growing your business and hitting your sales quotas, right? The truth is, is that many sales tactics and strategies no longer work in today's digital economy. The need for salespeople early on in the sales cycle is becoming less important by the day. Yet why is it that the world's top sales professionals are those that are able to open the doors and minds to top level decision makers and close large, more lucrative deals perpetually year after year? You see, there's a huge difference between selling the deal and becoming a trusted advisor to your clients. Advisors provide insightful, valuable solutions to prospects and clients that shifts the mindset from salesperson to consultative advisor. My name is Eric Fisher, and you are listening to the B2B Growth Accelerator Podcast. All right, guys, I'm happy to have Evan Stewart as our newest guest on the B2B Growth Accelerator. Evan, how you doing? Man, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super happy to be here, Eric, uh, and I'm glad we can make this work. I appreciate it. Excellent. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. So uh, for our listeners, um, Evan uh, is the owner of a few different companies, um, and you've also uh, been very successful with some other businesses outside of uh, what you're owning and operating now. Can you tell us a little bit about your businesses and what you're all about? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I've, I've been through the ringer <laughs> a couple of times, right? positive and, and, and negative. And like you, I know that you're really gifted in, in sales and just uh-huh. making revenue happen. Um, and, and that's one of my, my areas of strength as well is, is just finding revenue. And so my biggest, uh, my, my most successful business was the one that I exited in 2019. Uh, it was a real estate company that I started from zero from being broke, figuring out how to buy groceries to eventually building it to a multi eight figure book of business and then, and then exiting. Wow. Um, and so now I'm, I've got my hands in a couple of different things. I have a lot of intellectual property, um, especially in the medical space. I'm working on some cool projects there. And, uh, and then of course my big thing right now, my, the, the, the powerhouse that we're really working with is obsessed Academy. So essentially how we've built scaled and exited, we'll go into the lives and businesses of other people trying to accomplish the same thing and, and help them achieve the same goals, the same results. Awesome. So, mm-hmm. so you went uh, basically from broke to, to millionaire <laughs> and obviously that doesn't happen overnight. Were you, no, it were you took about you, seven years, seven years. Okay. Yeah. Little, were you, little less. Were you expecting uh, that kind of success or like, was that the goal? So y- yes, actually okay. um, black and white, I, I knew since a very young child, I was going to be successful. I just didn't know how. Mm-hmm. And um, so I only dive into things that I can get obsessed about, right? I only dive into things that I can really put my all into because I believe that's a huge component of what drives success. Um, the goal was, yes, I was going to be that successful. To be extremely candid, it I was surprised by you know, seven years is a long time, but it's also a pretty short time mm-hmm. in, in the business world. I was surprised by how quickly we were able to gain so much momentum and notoriety mm-hmm. um, because by the time I exited, it was a, we were a, a pretty, pretty high up there in the Texas rankings of who to look out for as far as real estate companies. And I mean, we were in the, in the top margin of, um, of, of experts and, and brokers. And that was my specialty was, was brokering. And so um, that was a big deal and that was pretty cool. And so I knew that it was going to be successful, but 
the thing that I had really learned through that experience, and I'm super glad that you touched on this, is because success is not all just just money. And yeah, you hit a certain point to where you you make the money, you, you hit the seven or the eight figures or or more, and a lot of problems go away. But what I had found through that time is I I had the financial success, but I had let so many other aspects of my life fall to the wayside mm-hmm. because I was pursuing that one goal, which was a number. And the right. interesting thing about a number is I hit, I remember when the business hit 5 million, it was like, oh, it's a big deal. And then it was 12 and then it was 18 and then it was 22 and then it was 28 and then it was 30. And then all of a sudden the goals just became bigger numbers right. because 35 and eight feel very similar as far <laughs> as a goal. And I know that sounds crazy, but uh, there's so many more aspects to it. And so it was a great season in my life. It provided a lot of opportunity, a lot of finances for my family. Um, and and uh, it was time to, to move on to where we are here and pursue some of those other aspects that I had been missing for so long. Great. How did you get into real estate? I Well, if you really want to know, I had sold my previous company before that. It was a okay. small exit. It wasn't anything huge, just a technology you know, company. And um, I had a little bit of cash. And I was bored and I was trying to figure out, I just wanted to go to work. I'm just a worker. I love just putting my name to something. And I was too egotistical to pick up a job other than something at the time, other than something that was mine. I didn't Mm -hmm. want it to be someone else's. So I was looking at different jobs and if I could come in and and I I thought, you know what, this isn't it. So uh, I applied for a real estate job on Craigslist, if you can believe it. It was an office that was looking for an admin because at the time I was thinking, you know what? I got a little bit of time where, um, you know, I wasn't wealthy at all or or even rich. I just, I had enough not to, you know, suck at that time. And so um, I had a little bit of margin where I could kind of focus on what I, something else I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, maybe I come in as an admin, maybe I learn the business and kind of figure it out because at the time I was still in school too. I was mm-hmm. in college. And so I was trying to figure it out. And I have a great conversation. He says, you know what? You've got experience in sales. You've driven revenue. You've got business experience. Why don't you just become an agent? At that time, it was just an agent. So I thought, okay. And I I just, a couple months later, I got, I was an agent. And they slid me down at this desk. Day one, a desk of papers stacked so high, you, you'd have to move them. And it was the, they, he said, this is everyone who's called into our company in the last five years start calling them and see if they're still interested. Day one, I was so inexperienced, Eric. I couldn't even tell you the price on the home I was looking up. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. Like the wow. very, the first call, the first call, I'm sitting there on the phone and he says, yes, actually, we just passed this house. That was, you know, one, two, three Main Street. How much is it? And I couldn't even log into the MO. I didn't even have my password yet to tell him the price. I called right. it back three times. Eventually, they didn't even pick up anymore. So <laughs> I, I, my, my ego drove me into something that I could massage that. Um, the seasons of wilderness that I had been through in that time dropped that ego and really taught me humility. And uh, I fell into it in the most ungraceful way. But boy, what was I glad I did. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stories like that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I don't think there's a lot of people that are, you know, uber successful that it was just a a linear path, right. Where, you know, you start here and you end here. It doesn't work like that. No. Um, So people are going to want to know this, right. Because I want to know. And if I know, if I have a question, I'm like, okay, somebody else is thinking the same thing. So you kind of like just breezed over this whole like idea of it was this small little exit that you made. Yeah. So I have a lot of people that that listen to my uh, my podcast and and follow me that are either a bit younger. Um, they're trying to find their way in sales and business life. 
And um, for no one that's ever started a company before, you know, one, it's incredibly hard. But yeah. when I hear, you know, hey, I just had a little technology company, made a little bit of money, was sitting on some cash and I got bored. I feel like there's probably more to the story. And I know you can't probably share everything, but how did you even get into that? Like a technology company? Are you like a computer guy? Are you into IT or? Well, it was a te- it was a technology. It focused on technology sales. So again, it was falling into the thing that I was really good at, which was sales. Um, I have a really high need for positive transformative relationships. Mm -hmm. So because of that, when I communicate with people, I don't communicate because I want something. It's because I want to be something in Mm -hmm. the relationship into you. And that speaks volumes in sales because so many times I pick up the phone, hey, Eric, I want to get into your pocket instead of I want to get into your life. And since that's how I'm hardwired, naturally, when it's time to build vested relationships and then sell a product, the product typically moves faster. Um, It's not a positive or a negative. It's just how I operate and what has worked well for me. So the reason that I say that is because when I was young, so I've always been entrepreneurial. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My father is a business owner. He started a company. He was in a technology company, a really niche like circuit design and manufacturing um, for medical, military and industrial you know, applications. And so super niche. Someone says, hey, I need something to work. Uh, he's the, the company that figures out how to make that little light on that part of the board light up. And when that happens, right. you know, it's good, right? right. Um, but growing up, he started his company after my brother and I um, were young, and I have a baby sister too that's that's younger. Um, but we were young, and he started it. So I remember watching him go through, you know, as as a kid, not not knowing what it meant, but watching that um, before him, my great uncle was a very successful entrepreneur, multi 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 millionaire in the 1940s, um, and so he he did well. And I don't come from a family that's extremely wealthy, but I came from a family that worked hard. And people that um, that I, I was able to watch that. And so growing up, it was always what service do I provide or what business do I start in order to make money, right? When I, I was that kid in the summertime who instead of going out and playing with his friends, I started a lawn mowing company. I bought a riding mower and we got six houses on the same street. So seven in the morning, I'd drive the riding mower across six lawns and we'd do six houses in in, 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 in the morning. And, um, and so that technology company, you know, I had that little landscaping company, which I sold for, you know, a couple thousand bucks in, in middle school. And then I had the technology company, which was a buying and a, and a selling of really technology. So phones and computers and tablets and things like that, a little bit of IP, but not really too much, like small, small, small ideas. Um, and, uh, and when I was in middle school and high school, so eighth and ninth and 10th grade, um, that little company was actually throwing me a couple thousand bucks a week, free and clear, which it's nothing to brag home about, but when you've got no expenses, no income, and you're just a kid slinging around computers and you're pulling in, you know, three to 6,000 bucks, that's a, a that's a pretty good, yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's great. And so, um, I sold that to a uh, administrator at my school, uh, who acquired the book of business since obviously my network was through the school and uh, continued it. And then, and then I don't know what they did with it. But, um, so when I say exit, I mean, it was small, it was, you know, thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but, um, but at the time when you have no expenses and I didn't, I couldn't even take out a credit card cause it wasn't even 16, you know, and or 18, um, it, it was a big deal. And so it's hard, it's damn hard to start a business and it's really hard to exit one successfully, but every venture, you know, business is built for two reasons. You either be the best or you exit or, mm-hmm. or well, the third is not, not a reason, but the third is you just die in the process, which is most unfortunately, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if you can build with the intention to potentially make an exit and the entire structure of the business, if anyone's watching this and you're building a business, my question is, 
if I take you out of the equation and plug somebody else in, how long will things work? What breaks and, and, and how does it break? And that's, yeah. the, that's the qualifier. And if you can build a structure that you're great, but you know what, Eric, if I pop you out and I plug in Jane, who's, who's great too and actually wants to buy the thing, can it still work? And if that operation answer is yes, you've got something that's fundamentally sellable. There's a lot more to the equation, but if you just start with that in mind, hey, I need to run the thing, but it doesn't have to be all Evan, mm -hmm. um, then you can automatically change how you move in five years, seven years, three years when somebody says, you know what, Eric, you kind of got a thing there. And right. I, I'd be interested to look at that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's really important. Um, I don't think most people you know, have ever heard that advice, you know, certainly people that have bought, bought and sold multiple companies would know that, um, mm -hmm. you know, I can tell you that, you know, going through the process of writing a book or, you know, building a course, you know, it's weird because I've done this for, I've been selling for 19 years. Um, I've, I sell to some of the biggest companies in the world. Um, and I know I do it every day, but it's hard to put pen to paper or, you know, unlock what's in your mind. Right. And yes. uh, you, you just have to finish sometimes. And, you know, people do get caught in the process and it's like, uh, I don't know, as Mark Cuban said, I think it was many people have said this, right. But the, mm -hmm. the uh, number one uh, thing that impedes success is um, or impedes progress is perfection. And that's yeah, why I people, want it to be done. Not yeah. You, you just need to get it done. And that's the hard part yeah. because people are so worried about being judged and what if it fails and ultimately you, you're going to fail a lot of times. Um, and it's yep. just the people that can pick it up. But I think that other piece of advice around, can you plug somebody else in? That's super solid advice. Now, did you just know that? Where did you learn that? No, I, I didn't just know that. I mean, I had, I had mentors and I had built things that weren't sustainable. I had a whole bunch of flops. I started an apparel company why? You know, I, I just, I mean, I, there were a whole bunch of just things that I had just tested out and flopped, but I had learned through experience. I had great mentors, but, um, but the combination of those two over years and years and years of obedience, mm -hmm. you know, what I had found, and I love the fact that you asked that Eric is, um, I learned through trial and error because I wasn't afraid to fail. I am not afraid to take everything down to zero because my identity isn't grounded in what I do. It's grounded in who I am. Well, first it's grounded in my savior and then it's who I am. But but in the tactical secular sense, it's grounded in who I am. And so that being the case, it doesn't matter if I'm Evan, the real estate guy, Evan, the salesperson, Evan, the CEO. I'm not even the CEO of my company right now because I think my wife could be a better CEO than I can. I'm the chief evangelist. My job is distributing a message, connecting with people and producing great content, mm -hmm. right? But a couple of years ago, I would have never been that because I, I was so attracted to one title. So the first one is allowing yourself the grace and the space to recognize that just because you start something doesn't mean you have to run it. And that's okay because I still own the company. I just don't run the company. That's a beautiful mm -hmm. piece of freedom, by the way. And the second component to that is never be afraid to ask questions. Because as you've probably learned too, Eric, in your success, and I know you've done some amazing things and you've made, met amazing people, mm -hmm. the people that are really successful they're willing to answer your questions. If you can be humble enough to ask, see people who are really successful know when you're full of crap. So if you come up and you're like, yeah, man, we're, uh, we're doing super well and, uh, and life is good and, and people can see through that. Like if you're really struggling, sometimes it's powerful to say, hey, you know what, Eric, I know you've been really successful selling for some of the best companies in the world. I'm trying to start my company. I'm really struggling here and here and I'd love to ask you a question about how you selling this product might relate to, to this. Can we talk about that? And yeah, sometimes there's a course or things that you can get plugged into, but sometimes you can just say, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be happy to answer that question. Mm -hmm. So many people have just said, you know what, Evan, that's a great question. Let me answer it. Hey, how do we build something to exit? How do we build something to franchise? I see that you started this company from nothing and that you've got 15 franchise locations. I'd love to ask 
what was the first thing that you needed to know when you were building that? Yeah. That way I can learn from your mistakes instead of making them again on my own, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I almost feel, you know, um, I don't know what your, your viewpoint on colleges and universities and things like that. Obviously, you know, um, I think sometimes, you know, Gary, Gainer, Gary Vaynerchuk is misunderstood sometimes around yeah. you know, whether you like him or, or not, you know, um, some people don't like that he cusses and all that, but um, he's a very real guy. And I don't know that he really believes that college isn't the right thing for, for everybody. I think he just thinks that it's not right for everybody. It's not that it's bad. Um, you know, college is great. He went to college. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he did. But, but I do think that uh, the one thing that college does not teach us and I wish I would have known it a long, long time ago because it's probably the one trait. And I haven't perfected it. Um, it's something that I have to work on all the time is just vulnerability. It's yep. the most powerful trait I think anybody can have. Um, it's the it makes you the best leader. It makes you the best salesperson. It make could make you the best businessman, the best spouse, um, the best father, you know, um, mother, whatever. It, it's just, mm -hmm. it's super powerful. And I think that's what you're saying without actually saying vulnerability is, Hey, I don't yeah. know how to do this. Please teach me or show me, show me the way. Um, well, vulnerability and humility go hand in hand. Correct. See, the problem isn't that people don't know how to be vulnerable. The problem is people aren't willing to be humble for yeah. starters. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is because everyone is trying to be something that they're not. Listen, I, with all due respect to those, to the listening audience that's, that's watching this, that's listening to this, I do not care who you are or what you've done initially. Okay. I've met people that are worth billions of dollars and I've met people that are worth nothing and everyone in between. Everyone has an opportunity to be better, to do more, and they're either great people or they're poor people. If you have more money or more car, cars, or more, look, I, I worked in ultra luxury real estate. I've been in houses that are 50 and $100 million. It's just bigger of the same thing. Not to diminish the success, but recognizing that the things that most people put as their idols in their front are the things that the people that have succeeded that don't care about. Right. And so if you can learn how to be humble, give yourself the grace and the space to recognize the season that you're in and not to pretend that you are something that you're not, that's where the relationships come in. So yep. you can sit down with someone who's powerful and build the relationship. And that person, if they can help you in a way that truly moves the needle, hey, you know what, Eric, I know we met five years ago. Now I'm making millions, et cetera. Dude, that's a relationship that's tight. That's mm -hmm. a friendship that lasts, not, oh, I was pretending. Now you saw that I was full of crap and I have to rebuild from a lie. You're never going to pick up my call. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I would agree. I mean, I think that's been the one thing, um, you know, I've, I, I've run businesses before, you know, I run a multi, multi-million dollar business, but I'm not the owner of that company. Somebody else yeah. that is a billionaire owns the company, right? Yes. Um, and while I own the relationships, really his company owns the relationships unless I am. And I love the way, the way you put that is I want to be in your life, not, I want to be in your pocket. Yeah. Um, I've never heard that before. So that's really nice. I like that. Um, it's actually, actually how I think, but I don't know that I've ever thought about it that way. Sure. Um, uh, sure. but you know, I started, I started this, I, I, I've never written a book. So I reached out to a bunch of people that have written books before. It's really yeah. hard to write a book. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done besides being a father. It's so uh, hard. It's so, it's so hard. hard, you know, and then, and then building a course, you know, I mean, I've, bought multiple courses on how to build a course, even though I know more about sales than the people that are teaching me how to build courses is because I've never built a course. Yep. I know my course will be successful because I know my content's great, but there is a art to doing it the right way. Yeah. And, you know, the point is, is that, you know, and I think, you know, getting to the point of what you're talking about is that when you can admit and have the humility and the vulnerability 
it's the it's very attractive to people mm-hmm. because you're meeting people where they are because no matter who you are um you've got things that you you know you're insecure about oh uh, yeah you oh, know absolutely I, I'm curious. So I find this often, right? Some of the most difficult people I struggle with in business are the ones with these monster egos that, you know, you know that they're super insecure, right? Yeah. And I usually am able to just kill them with kindness over time yeah. by, um, you know, you don't have to annoy them, right? But a lot of times they're like the key leaders, right? They're the people that have the, the keys to the castle at Fortune 200 companies, or even if it's an SMB, yeah. right? And you're trying to call this the president, you know, and they're a millionaire or whatever, um, it's challenging and they don't want to give you any time and they think you're unimportant. And most salespeople, right, are young because sales is the lowest barrier to entry job you can get in the professional yes. world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious because, you know, you, you have a strong faith. Um, mm-hmm. You um, obviously have your platform, which is obsessed. You know, it's, it's your platform. It's your tagline. It's your belief. Yeah. Um, it's your vision. But before we get into that, what would you say to people that are young? that are most salespeople can get in front of, um, you know, if they're B2C or B2B, I'm more focused on business to business. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but you're still dealing with people that have egos. How do you get through to those people that have monster egos when you are someone that has no credentials, you have no authority um, and you haven't been doing your job very long. Mm, That's good. That's good. See, that's just an objection. And I love the fact that you touch on that because I struggled with that. I was the young guy. I have a beard for a reason, you know, it makes me look a little older. And so, um, but, but before I had a track record, it was that same thing. I have no beard, I have no track record and I'm still trying to sell. And I've done B2B, just B2C too. I've done both of those Mm -hmm. and you can play into it. But really what that is, is an objection. See, it's confidence is the memory of success, but if you don't have the success to lean back into, your confidence can come from being reflexive in your DNA courses, like what you're putting out, Eric. Learn the course, so now when you get into the environment, you can be reflexive in your position of uh, a pathway to mastery. So if I was in that situation and I was sitting down with somebody who wants to be the gatekeeper and all of that, hey, I would have that conversation. You know, they say, you know what, Eric, uh, Evan, you know what, you don't have experience, um, you're too young, I'm just not interested, of course. Say, you know what, Eric, look, I was born as quickly as I could. And I totally understand that. I'm here for a reason though. And I know how important your time is and I sure wouldn't waste it. And see, the reason that I have no experience is the reason you need our relationship, not the reason you don't. Because what I can't guarantee you is that I have a decade worth of experience because a decade ago I was in school. But what I can guarantee you is that this is gonna be the most incredible relationship you've ever had with this company and this product because of the reason I have no experience. Because it will be me, my manager, and three other people on your contract to make sure that our relationship becomes vested. Because I'm here for the long haul. I believe in vested relationships. And again, I can't guarantee you that I have that time, but I can guarantee you moving forward that I will be the last person you ever have to call. And frankly, all I need to know is if that's the relationship you're looking for, because that's the only relationship I can provide. If that's what you're looking for, I'd love to talk to you about how we can actually move this forward. That's a confident statement. And I don't care. You could be frigging day one. If you come out of the gate with something along those lines, see, just be real. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't have a decade of experience, but again, I do business with people who do business with me. I believe that a transaction is a byproduct of a vested relationship, not the goal of the relationship. I'm here for the long haul. If you want to have one person and stop calling all these other people, right? If you want to have one person you can call, that's me. If you want to keep going through the roster, that's totally cool. I'm not your guy. Yeah. See, yeah. that's if the no experience thing, that's an objection, right? People don't mind being sold to. People hate being sold to poorly. 
People don't mind commitment. People hate committing to a bad decision. Mm -hmm. See, when I say, hey, Eric, I think you're too young or I don't, you don't have experience. What I'm really saying objection is I don't believe that committing to you is a good move for the company because I don't believe that we will be taken care of. I believe 100%. we might be committing to a bad decision. 100%. 100%. That's it. That's, that's it. That's really well put, man. That's really well put. I think, you know, even for people that are not young that are, you know, listening or watching this, uh, if you're selling anything, whether you're actually in a sales profession with the sales title or not, um, I just, I put out some content um, earlier this week about it, just be human about how to sell in the crisis right now. Yeah. And it, it, it's the same way you sell when you're not in a crisis. You be real, yeah. right? You know, there's a, there's a guy that I know that, you know, he doesn't want to give me any time. And I've been trying this guy and I finally just said to him, I said, look, man, um, I know you have children because you've talked about them before, you know, and I'm not saying that you owe me anything, right? I already do business with all these people within your organization. So it's, you know, maybe I'm not your guy, but I can assure you this. And I literally said almost word for word, what you said, nobody's going to give you the time and attention. I will. Nobody's going to make sure that your needs are met as much as I will. Nobody cares as much as I do, because this is the lifeblood of my family and you're going to get me and only me all the time. And I said, ultimately, I go, if, if your son or daughter was talking to someone and they were in sales and he goes, well, they'll never be in sales. They're going to be a scientist or da, da, da. And I said, regardless, if they were being real with a customer and said, they're going to give it their all, wouldn't you want them to have a shot too? And he's, you know, he actually hasn't given me any business yet. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a company that, you know, we do millions of dollars a year, um, but he doesn't owe me anything. Yeah. But I was just very real with him on, you know, like I, I have arrived in the company, but to him, I have not arrived and we're a big company, but we're not as big as the companies he normally uses. Sure. And so, um, you know, you're different, your differentiator, right? Your key to unlock that from what I'm hearing you say. And it's, it's also what I believe is be real, be human, mm -hmm. be who you are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the one thing that requires no skill is effort and just well, and, and and sometimes the key differentiator is you. Right. If you don't have experience, you know, see the biggest tell of an amateur is, oh, well, last year my company did a billion in sales. What did you do? Right. right? The, oh, oh, well, no, no, no. It's the key of an amateur is immediately pushing off responsibility of success because they have none to lean into. Right. And most people won't outright lie. Some people will. Um, but sometimes the key differentiator is you. Hey, you know what? This is what I can do. Right. And right. I can be here. And if you don't want that, that's totally cool. Sometimes it's you in relationship to the product. Well, I don't really like you. Well, that's cool. You don't have to like me to love the product. Right. Why don't we get you set up and then I'll move you over to Jane. who's going to take great care of you. Everybody likes Jane. She brings <laughs> cookies, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so, and so if you, I think the, the biggest thing, regardless of if you're new, if you're, you have experience, the biggest thing that the biggest thing to earning more money and breaking down those barriers is eliminate your need to be emotional, right? People, when they present those types of statements, they're not attacking you. They're protecting themselves. Mm -hmm. See, I love hearing things like that. When people state that I actually get excited because a, it means that somebody thinks highly enough of herself to actually protect herself. Mm -hmm. And B, I made a decision to work with clients that are valuable, valuable things are protected. So therefore when the walls go up, that's not a reason to get emotional. Oh, well, you don't like me. I don't need you to like me. I need you to buy my product, right? That's why I'm in sales, not in charity, right? right. And right. so it, when you can drop that need to actually be emotional and to have your emotional needs met, if you can use logic and still be yourself, I mean, that that's huge. There's so much power and weight behind 
just to respect, hey, you know what, Eric, I totally understand. I, I appreciate and I respect the fact that you haven't purchased from me yet. And this is this is my thoughts on it. Let's have a conversation about that and just be you. You know, I don't need you to buy from me. I just need to have a, a, a pretty strict yes or no. Let's have, let's talk about that. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I would agree. And before I want to jump into to obsessed and what that all means, uh, because I, I'm excited to, to learn more about it beyond what I, what I've read. Um, so I think like for our listeners and, and, and viewers, right. So when you talk about, instead of, you know, having the ability to, to, you know, you called it being reflexive. Is that the word you used? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, you know, to make sure I'm the way that I would say that, right. Is, you know, when you prepare and you have enough skill, you're not just reacting with emotion, you yeah. can react with logic and you know exactly, you know, which bolt to turn. So yes. someone objects, you know, and I talk about this in my book a lot, you know, our brains are processing information at, you know, mic- mil- millions of microseconds speed. I, I don't even know how fast it is because I, I had to Google it on a neuroscience website sure. uh, and, and do the research, but it's very, very fast, right? Yeah, but of course. Our, but our mouths actually respond quicker <laughs> because mm-hmm. while we're processing the information, what comes out of our mouth isn't always what we're thinking. And um, and that's why, you know, all the great sales authors out there and anybody who's, who's mastered sales knows that you literally need to pause and think about what the other person put yourself in their shoes. And I think that's the the beauty in what you're saying is when they're objecting to you, it's not that they're objecting you, they're objecting and protecting themselves. They don't want to make a decision because people are incredibly committed when it's the right decision. Well, people want to be, People want to be sold. Yes. See, that's the beautiful thing. Human nature is I want to want it. It's like, give me a reason to want it, mm-hmm. right? Now, yes, sometimes it's within these boundaries, mm-hmm. but it's like, if you're shopping for a new car, you want to walk away with a new car. Like, yeah, you may play hardball and you might, oh, I need this and I need this price. But at the end of the day, if you want to buy, you want to be sold. And see, that's the beautiful thing is, is, sales, everybody fluffs it up. Like it's this big, scary monster. It's just normal people having a conversation around a product or service and trying to find a mutual conclusion. That's it. There's no wait. If you walk away empty handed, so friggin' what? If you walk away with a million dollar deal, tomorrow's a new day. And it doesn't, it's just, if you can neutralize the emotional landscape, you will move so much further. See, my first business didn't start, my sales didn't start popping until I stopped being emotional. I started master. I, I would take my phone. I'd turn it on voice memo, put it in my suit pocket, record an entire conversation. Hey, am I hearing what I believe I'm speaking? Am I interpreting it the same way? If someone didn't want to work for me. I would call them back. Eric, I'd love to take you out to dinner. No strings. I want to dig into the reasons why you don't want to work with me because I want to make sure that I never run into that again. I, let me take you and your wife to a great steak dinner and learn why you don't like me. Dude, those are weird things to say. And people will say yes. Have you ever taken someone out to dinner and you're eating steak and having wine or talking about the reasons they don't like you? And you're like, I love this. I mean, that it's, you, you, it's a weird space. But when you can really get obsessed about mastering that concept of neutralizing that field and have those conversations again and again and again, everything shifts, right? Oh, I think you're too young. Hey, I respect the fact you feel that way. Crap, if I was 45 and some no-bearded 20-year-old walked in trying to move my property and try to sell me this, I'd probably think the same way. Right. Like right. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, let's let's uh, let's pivot here because I want to. Um, I'm just looking at some notes here because I, I wrote some down. So yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so so Evan, you own uh your, your business. You got you got Obsessed Academy, correct? Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. that's a digital info product, correct? 
Uh, well, digital and also live experiences as well. So um, we yeah. have a huge digital platform, but plenty of opportunities to engage in person. Sure. So talk, talk to talk to me about that. Yeah. So Obsessed Academy in a in a nutshell is what you and I have been talking about, right? So the the profit, the scale, the growth, the exit, the the sales strategies to building something sustainable. Um, but more importantly is I believe that individuals need to be inspired and fascinated and motivated by where they live, where they work, how they live and work, and who they live and work with. I believe that an inspired, fascinated, and motivated individual lives a happier, healthier, and more productive life. Mm -hmm. And I believe that starts with living in alignment to a calling and a giftedness and a purpose instead of a default, right? I'm living a life that is inspiring, fascinating, and motivating because I wake up with purpose and I come home fulfilled. And therefore, the people in my life that are demanding the best version of me are getting it because I'm pouring in from a place of fulfillment instead of a place of depreciation. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we scale purpose-driven lives and businesses through those tactical strategies in relationship to an individual's calling, purpose, and giftedness, or in a company, a, a mission of the company, that type of thing. So it's always back to an, a greater mission, a greater purpose, because that's the real component of sustainability that I've seen the most successful people I've ever worked with, the reasons they're successful is because they can put in the grind because it relates to a, lar a larger calling, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so we've got a huge online platform that we've has just been shooting through the roof. We just dropped 20 videos last week, another 30 awesome. videos next week on, uh, on these same concepts as everyone's been home, obviously engaging online. Sure. Um, We've got really intense deep dive boot camps, super awesome mastermind retreats in beautiful places with professional athletes and executives and really fun, kind of cool, high level stuff. And uh, and then of course, we've got the really huge obsessed conference, which is still going on in October. This year, it's 50,000 square feet in an old bomb factory on just how do we get you immersed in that environment of obsession where you walk away, you come as you are, but you walk away fulfilled and transformed. Awesome. That's great. So, um, you, you obviously, how did you get into creating obsessed Were you, you know, you've, you've obviously been very successful. You've made millions of dollars. Did it get to a point of, Hey, I now want to inspire people to do what I've done. Is that like, what was the driver behind that? My DNA is I'm a connector. I'm a teacher. I'm a grower. So mm -hmm. in everything I do, I love connections. We talked about that from relationships, mm -hmm. but just strong connection and quality connection in general, even if it's the relationship between inanimate things. I love how seeing a piece of marketing plays out in the marketplace, that type of thing. Um, I'm a teacher. I love taking something that I've done and teach it, right? My background in, you know, I had a stint in, in uh, classical music composition. I'm a classically trained concert pianist. So when I started playing around in that, I would help people out with the information I knew. I just teach what I learn. Uh, and then third, growing. Watching the relationships around me actually take root and grow is something that brings extreme fulfillment in my life. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was a natural step in the relationship of how my life and life's work was playing out mm -hmm. to move into Obsessed Academy. Because years prior when I was in real estate, um, I've been growing my business. This is where I started really, you know, business kind of goes like this. It started taking that first real big stair step mm -hmm. and uh, started getting a little bit of notoriety and some recognition. And something interesting had happened, Eric. I took a call from somebody that had a question, pretty standard question. Hey, can you help me with this? Of course. And I remember I was in my car, I was on speakerphone driving. And about three hours later, I took another call from another friend that's like, hey, I have a question. And almost word for word, it was the exact same question and the exact same answer. And it was like, ding, wait a minute. Something, there, there, there's a way to make money with, with my mind. And so 
um, a couple of weeks later, somebody called and asked a question and said, oh my gosh, you know, you've brought clarity and because this is easy stuff. Oh, here's how you do it. Do this, do this, talk to your client this way. They said, oh my gosh, this is great. Have you ever considered coaching? I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll coach you. How much is it? I go, it's a, it's a thousand bucks. She goes, oh, a thousand dollars a month. Uh, that sounds great. Let's get started. And I thought, huh, that's kind of interesting. Um, and so I just kind of put it out there. And within about a two week period, I had, I had about eight people signed up. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, that's kind of interesting. And so it started this journey of really diving deep into the things that were working, structuring, because you know, you talked about it, coursework is hard and structuring out how to actually build and teach the things that came naturally in a way that other people could adapt. How do I speak? How do I communicate, build relationships, objections, make sales, build business, that type of thing. And um, as that continued to grow, 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 and then I was making an exit strategy in the other business, there was this time last year of about six months where the transition actually occurred. OA just really started taking off and uh, and I made that exit. And so now it's it's all that we do. It it looks like on the outside, it looks like I just did this and did this, but it was really about a five-year transition period of growing that, exiting my other company, and and now now this is all we do. Great. So one of the questions I know that that I have, and um, I'm sure there are people listening. So, you know, have you ever been around a, a uh, successful person and you're like, hey, I, you know, I wish I could speak like them. I wish... Um, you know, the vernaculars, they, the vernacular they use, the words yes. they use, the, the way they speak, it's just very comfortable. Yes. Um, so you're very good at that. Um, well, thank you. We're, we're, you know, and I, and I would say it's not surprising to me that you're, you're a man with faith because in, in faith in God, because um, you speak almost like scripture a little bit. <laughs> uh, and, and I mean that in a very, a very positive. And I'm actually, I'm not a, a religious person, uh, but mm-hmm. but I've I've certainly read the Bible, and um, sure, sure. Uh, you speak uh, very much like you you can preach preach the good word. And, <laughs> and, and I mean it a, really, a little bit. Yeah, you're good at it. So, uh, but it's a really important part of um, sales and business. Is mm-hmm. um, you know, when people say, "Hey, salespeople have the gift to gab," and then other people say. Well, no, you really just need to ask questions and listen. And it's like, then other people will say, well, that's not really a conversation, right? It's really 50-50 is really, you know, the way a conversation happens. That's right. Um, so have you always, um, you know, been able to speak the way you do? Uh, mm. Or did it come at a certain point? Did you get it through reading, uh, being around successful people, a combination? Mm. You know, I love, thank you for actually touching on this topic of the importance of that with sales, because um, not a lot of people actually do. So I love the fact that you were able to identify the importance of that, obviously some of it in your experience, but um, now that's an exciting question. Um, so I grew up with a mother who was an English major <laughs> and uh, very successful summa cum laude, um, or magna cum laude, excuse me. Uh, but she was, she, she, she knew how to speak and to read and to write. And so growing up when I remember as early as kindergarten, she had us working through novels and learning at, you know, cursive, which of course nobody uses anymore, but, you know, learning how to write and how to speak. And, and one of her beliefs and her principles was um, there is such an importance to communication. See, people think that the, the number one form of communication is, is how you look, but it really is before that is how you speak. Cause how many times often have you met someone after you've had a conversation with them or communicated with them? And my father, so I'm from Texas, right? I'm a, I'm a Dallas boy. I got a little bit of a Texas accent somewhere in there, especially if I say Texas. Um, but my, my family's born and raised uh, for generations in Texas. My family came to Texas on a covered wagon. So we've been here for a while. And, um, 
and my father had a Texas accent and he broke it because he talked about the importance of perception in your communication. So I'm super tight in family. I've got my father who's talking about the importance of perception and communication. I've got my mother who's an English major who's talking about the importance of communicating well and articulating through uh, you know, your, your, your spoken word, what you're trying to get across. And so that was the environment that I was raised in for so long. And so it is the number one most important thing in sales because sales is listening yes it is a 50 50 yes it is a dialogue yes it is speaking yes at different points in the conversation the thing is is when you're called to speak you need to speak in a way that doesn't invalidate what you sell and so when you can speak in a way that brings conviction out in your voice and in your spirit and draws and connects with another individual in a similar capacity there's a very good chance you're going to have to sell there and so my ability to communicate well is twofold. It was A, growing up in that environment. And then when I started really needing to be successful, right? I started where I didn't have a lot of money. And so I had to make it work. Um, really needing to be successful and figuring out the little strategies and the, and the tips and, and recording and voice memos. Of how am I speaking and, and word replacement? So instead of saying, I'm going, you know, instead of saying a dialogue, I'll say vernacular. And instead of saying, you replacing all these little pivots and just elevating the vocabulary. Um, that's really, really important to me. And then now, since I speak around the world and I work with companies and I'm, I have a lot of content, I see myself on camera, I have my podcast. So you, you listen to it, um, you start to learn what hits well and what doesn't. And so uh, I think the, for those that are watching that are thinking, oh, well, you have the gift of gab or something. Mm -hmm. Yes, not everybody is born into an environment with an English major mother. I, I get that. But everyone can communicate in a way that's natural and draws out conviction in themselves and their spirit and in their product or their service, man, if you can just do that, yeah. there's such a strong opportunity for a sale there. There's yeah. such a strong opportunity. Yeah, I mean, your ability to connect with people is important, right? But um, mm -hmm. I think that this is one of the things, right, where people that wanna be great and, and are obsessed, right? And I, I we gotta get to this question, what does obsessed really mean? Cause I still don't know, like I, I that's like the topic of, of my mind is, is <laughs> on my mind is like, what does obsessed mean to you? Um, sure. But if, if you are obsessed about success, you're going to do whatever you need to do to be great. And a lot of times it's the not very sexy stuff, right? I mean, it's funny. I hear you talk about recording yourself on your phone and it's like, I can't tell you how many times when I was starting out in sales that I would leave myself voicemails and I would, yeah. I'd be driving to client appointments and I would literally practice what I was going to say and the questions I was going to ask and how I was going to ask them and the vernacular I would use and, um, you know, the different like how I would pause, like, did it seem, it felt like it was a long pause, but you know what? It actually yes. wasn't that long. It was actually quite yes. short. And it's just these little things, right. That we do, but they make a huge, massive difference. And yes. those are the things that separate those that are successful. That's that, that you know, from those that are not. It, it, that's exactly what it is. You know, one of my favorite quotes by Tony Robbins is what you do in private, you'll be praised for in public. Right. And when I was growing up, I, I've never partied. I've never, I've never even been drunk or, or high. I've just, I've just always worked. And that's not a, I'm holier than thou. I've just been too damn busy. Like I, I've never had the time. And so the biggest recognition for me was going through that season of college. And then I dropped out of school because I had started another company or my real estate company at the time. Um, of going through that season and kind of going through these relationships of late teens and then early twenties and then mid twenties. And then seeing the world around me shift of, of these people that were wasting so much time when you could fail 
many of them weren't married. Of course, you know, everyone gets older and gets married or, or starts to connect in relationships, but many people weren't married, didn't necessarily have kids. I mean, there's such a, an awesome opportunity. My biggest failures happened during that time. My biggest, I mean, hitting that, I didn't de declare bankruptcy, but between you and me, like, bro, I was bankrupt. Like hitting, hitting that, those huge lows where the only thing you really might lose is the tiny little bit of comfort that you got there's such an amazing time, especially, and you mentioned a lot of your, your viewers are younger. There's such an amazing time to put your head down and work. And I remember when I was in a college town after I left school, but I was still in the town, um, hearing the party outside my apartment window and I'm sitting there and I'm taking coursework and I'm learning. And some of it I love, some of it I hated. I'm learning how to master my craft. I'm diving into numbers. I said, I will not be invalidated. My big thing was if you just ask me a question, you will be sold. It doesn't matter that I have no beard. doesn't matter that I'm young. doesn't matter that I don't have experience. Just ask me a question, right? The best way to overcome for lack of experience is a high level of competence. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, getting, just diving into that, if you just put in that obedience, it might not produce results immediately, but it will produce results for sure. And you can stick that out. I mean, I would not change that. In fact, if anything, Eric, I would actually work harder if I went back to do it again just to see the amazing trajectory. And now God willing, I'll be able to be here for my children. We don't have kids yet, but yeah. um, you know, my wife and I, when we, when we do, uh, I'll be able to be here instead of go through that season of my life when there's so many other demands on my time. God forbid I go to zero with kids. That, I can't justify that to my family. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I don't know you other than this conversation here, but I can, I can definitely tell you'll be a great father. Thank you. Uh, great example for sure, man. Um, so, so like, as we kind of like wrap up here, um, tell me, you know, you've got Obsessed Academy, um, mm -hmm. you've got the live events, um, you've got the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. and we'll, 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 at the very end of this um, conversation, we'll make sure that we say all your handles so people can follow you because it's incredibly sure. important that, that we sure, share, sure. share the, the platform. What does Obsessed mean though? Because mm -hmm. before you answer, um, I have been told that I'm someone that's, you know, either obsessed about money or obsessed about being successful. You're too obsessed with work. Um, not, you know, you know, and my wife and I talk about it all the time. She, you know, it's, it's a hard balance. Right. And um, I tell her that for me, it's all, it's all in the, it's all in the same bucket. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with being great. I want to be the best father, the best husband, the best at my job. And sometimes, you know um, you know, if you have all these different buckets, sometimes one bucket's a little fuller than the other. Yes. And then they got to pull back and put some more, fill up the other bucket. Right. That's right. That's right. Uh, but talk to, talk to me about what, what that means for you and like, where did that come from? Mm. Well, um, again, trying to find words that I had identified with, it was when I was starting to publicly put out, um, cause I worked so much in private before social media and, Oh, you talk well, you should start a podcast, all this. I think, you know what I, I should. And I was trying to find a word that I had identified with, and I was going back and I was thinking through these threads of consistency, things people had told me, things that were, were I believe to be true. And I kept going back to this one, I would call people and just say, hey, you know, Eric, we grew up together. Tell me about I, I, what are some defining words that you have of our relationship? I'm trying to really dig into who I am so I can present the right version of myself to the world, uh, the authentic version of myself to the world. And the things that I was hearing were, pretty similar to like maybe what you've heard. I think a lot of successful people, oh, you just go all in or you can just, you just see red, you just hit this one thing. And then it's like, no, you know, there's no way to get your attention. You're just going, you're going, you're going. And that's a blessing and a curse. But um, what I recognized there was, I thought, you know what? The, the, the only word I could use to describe that was obsessed. Mm -hmm. Because obsession is, is, well, it is and it isn't. I'll talk about what it is in just a second. But 
in a fundamental sense, obsession is a singular all-consuming passion, right? Whether it's positive or negative, it's singular and it's all-consuming, right? You can be obsessed about doing great things for your family and you can also be obsessed about heroin and sexual addiction. Which one of those mm -hmm. is gonna produce a better life, right? right? And so, but but as I started to dig into that and started to present it, you know, you get hit with that word obsessed, uh, it doesn't quite mean the same thing to some people. And I recognize that there are two types of obsession. And this is where I started to develop my concept of obsession, which is really the platform that I speak to now. And the number one thing that I'm called to speak around the world on is identifying what it is and what it isn't, and then how it plays out in a person's life and business. See, I believe that there's two types. There's a healthy and an unhealthy obsession. Unhealthy obsession is what we think of typically when we think of obsession, most people. Uh, it's it's mania, it's frenzy. Like, like, like addiction. Like addiction. Right. Exactly. Right. Like when people say like, oh man, you know, the stalker is obsessed. The serial killer is obsessed. The obsessed, it's unhealthy. See, unhealthy obsession is a linear movement. It begins with a need to overcome and overcompensate negative emotions, shame, guilt, abandonment, stress, anxiety, loss. Mm -hmm. It is a linear movement that always ends in a lack of fulfillment and regret. Mm -hmm. Right? So an example that I use is as I was going through that statement, I had heard a story about a man who uh, his wife had left him and started dating someone significantly wealthier than he was. This man was, wasn't a poor dude. Like it is, it, it wasn't, she just leveled up. And uh, so he gets in the office, he gets in the gym, starts working more, working harder. And he builds up his bank account and he builds up his biceps. At the end of that entire experience, he was still faced with that loss and that shame and that guilt and that abandonment. Even that that looked healthy was unhealthy because it stemmed from a need to overcome those feelings and it ended in lack of fulfillment and regret. He, he was obsessed with emptiness. It, that's right. That's right. And, and that obsession is what most people think. See, I believe that true obsession is a cycle. It's an emotion. It's a mindset. It's a discipline. Mm -hmm. See, I believe obsession starts with an emotion, which is a point of revelation. Revelation is not the skies opening up saying, you know, God, Eric, you need to, do, no, no, that revelation is like, you've probably felt it, right? It's that, it's that gnawing at your soul. It's coming mm -hmm. home to your wife, just saying, you know what? I've got this, this thought that's just not going away. It's that stickiness on your mind and in your spirit. It's that, that I just need to, it's me talking to my wife. Like, I really think that I will leave real estate. I just, I just have this thought like, oh, we're growing, we're growing, but I just, I have this thought. Mm -hmm. I have this thought and I don't think right. it's going to be now, but I think it will happen. It's, it's, it's a revelation. It then moves to a mindset, which is a stage of preparation. Preparation is working your land is planting your seeds is taking root where you're at so you can prosper. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's an emotion, which is revelation. It's a mindset, which is preparation. And the third is a discipline, which is cultivation. Cultivation right. is not my life is great. Cultivation is I know for a minute, I have a glimpse into this future. Cultivation for me was the first obsessed conference and looking in that room, which was small of 150 people saying I'm onto something here. Cultivation is a, a moment of maybe you make that first sale and you get back in the car and you think I can do that again. See, the reason it's a cycle and emotion, a mindset, a discipline, a revelation, preparation, cultivation is because it immediately goes back because you've experienced this. You hit that one thing. I feel good. Now I know I can see, I can do more, be more, and I execute on that. Therefore, we immediately fall back into revelation and preparation. Mm -hmm. That's obsession focused around one all-consuming passion. And that cycle worked obediently, a long obedience in the same direction for years and for decades, again and again and again, pops off enough to where eventually you hit that final stage, which is saturation, right. which is overflow. And that's the abundance to where you say, you know what? I actually don't have to work if I don't want to. My kids are probably set. In fact, my great grandkids are probably set. I've got everything we need and we can only focus. That's when you, when you hit such a high level 
saturation is such a deep penetration that nothing there there can be no more added. It's just all overflow. You know, if if your carpet is saturated, you pour water into it, it just flows everywhere. It cannot penetrate again. And so I believe that obsession and why I use that word and obsessed academy is is that emotion, that mindset, that discipline, revelation, preparation, cultivation, worked continuously, producing overflow. It's how do we apply that fundamental cycle back to the patterns of consistency, the gifts, the calling, the purpose in your life in a sustainable, mm-hmm. profitable, and exitable manner. So that way you can actually live a life that you can be obsessed about in that form instead of the one that you defaulted to, which I believe is most people. That's awesome. And that's deep. Mm-hmm. That's deep. <laughs> that's deep. Um, yeah, I think when you when I'm when I'm listening to that, what I what I hear and what I what resonates with me um, is one the obedience, right? The consistency. That's that's the yes. that's the hardest part because it's. I want to say so it's, hard. it's not. E- I wouldn't say it's easy to be great, um, mm-hmm. but you can be. But great. it is simple. It is simple, and you can mm-hmm. be great for short periods of time. What most people struggle with is being great for the long run. And yes. um, because it's hard, it, it's a lot of it's, you know, if people talk about the blood, sweat and tears, you know, it's our life is made up of decisions. Yeah. And um, it's frankly, it's a lot of sacrifice. You know, you talked about, you know, I never had time to, uh, you know, drink or party. And maybe it wasn't because you, you weren't interested in it or not. But it doesn't matter. You were just too busy. Well, we're making choices, right? And those, you know, I believe that, you know, it's the small choices in our life that dictate where we end up. Um, It's just, we have to make a lot of those small choices a lot of times. And as humans, it's not easy, but so that was the first thing is just, um, you know, the obedience and the sacrifice and the consistency. But the other one is, so what's, what's the, the part of your triangle where you, so you've, Mm -hmm. you've succeeded and then it's, so we've got, yeah. So emotion, mindset, discipline. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it, it eventually enough in that cycle produces the overflow, which is the saturation. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, once you've succeeded, right, most people don't want to get right back on the horse. Right. And it's like, okay, right. let's go again because it's easy um, to sit and kind of bask and based in the, in the success. And, you know, I I've been there. Um, it's, it's mm-hmm. really, it's very hard um, you know, as a sales producer, I can tell you, you know, it's hard to be at the top because you can get comfortable. Yeah. The hardest part is being un- like literally putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation. And I believe that to be true, whether you're in a sales production role or you own your own company or any role in your life. Well, that's why people fall out is because as you cultivate, that gets distracting, right? right? That gets distracting as you cultivate. And the, the, the beauty of the cycle is that's how people become Oh, I once. That's the one hit wonders. Right. That's the, oh, well, I, I had a friend of mine who I, 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 well, family friend, he was an older gentleman, but every single conversation that we had growing up always went back to his days as a semi-professional baseball player. Mm. Like this dude was not a young guy and all the conversations, right? That's where you start to work it and then you get distracted and then you fall. That's why it's a cycle and not a linear movement is in order to keep you in momentum with a calling and a gift and a purpose, you must continue to work in that cycle or you fall into complacency, right? The definition of complacency is a gradual settling to a place of mediocrity. That can happen at the top and it can happen at the bottom. The keyword is settling. Anyone can settle and settle back down to a place of mediocrity. It just depends on how high up you start. 
which is why we work it, not why we rest once we're done, you know? For sure, man. Well, I really enjoyed this. This might be one of my favorite conversations uh, I've had. Um, and uh, I was I was inspired. And, and I think that uh, my listeners and, and viewers will as well. Um, can you tell tell us uh, where we can find you on all the social platforms and as well as um, your, your uh, business and, and products you have out there right now? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, I'm super active. My number one social platform right now is Instagram, but all my handles are at real Evan Stewart. And okay. so if you just search real Evan Stewart, I'm, I'm right there. Um, and then uh, from a company standpoint, if you are looking at those strategies, if you're kind of struggling with the things that we've talked about, definitely check out obsessedacademy.com. We have an amazing online university and uh, it's essentially exactly what we've talked about. The same strategies that I used to grow, build, exit, scale. Um, applied in a uh, virtual masterclass format. Um, and then of course, finally the obsessed conference, man, we got to get, got to get there. Like I know you might've been to a conference before you're listening to this. Oh, I just did the, no, no, no. You have never been to an obsessed conference before. Cause I tell you what, I, I was talking to my team. I said, I want us to be putting on a music festival, but instead of music, I want it to be really hard hitting actionable concepts and thought leaders and executives and athletes and, and people to connect in this environment. And so um, I'm really excited about it. It's it's the number one thing that I look forward to every year as far as what we do internally. And so if you resonate with this message, I, I strongly recommend that you you commit, you bring your friends and uh, get a chance to really experience what obsession can look like in the truest form. Awesome. Well, you heard it here. Go to, go to uh, is it called, and it's called uh, the Obsess, is it the Obsess Masterclass or is it, is it what's the name of the, the, pla- the live event? Uh, the live event is just obsessedconference.com Obsessed and uh, yeah. And you can see, you can see everything there, all the speakers, the lineup and, and get connected as well. Excellent. Well, I'll link um, all your social handles as well as um, your business um, websites and, and platforms below um, in both, you. uh, YouTube, Instagram, so people can find you there. Uh, definitely look forward to collaborating with you more. Uh, I think we, you know, everybody I speak to, um, you know, we have a lot of things that are in common, but we have a lot of very different experiences and perspectives. Cool. And, you know, each one of these, what I truly enjoy about it is I get to learn. Um, and then share my learning uh, for, with other people. So thank you very much. I really enjoyed this. Well, thank you for having me here, Eric. I appreciate it. All right. Well, I hope you and your family stay well and healthy as we uh, get through these challenging times. Um, I know we will. We'll come out stronger on the other side, but um, I, I wish you all the best. Yeah, thank you, my friend. You do the exact same. Stay, stay healthy. All right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the B2B Growth Accelerator podcast. Hey, do you have a question you'd like me to answer raw, uncut, right on the podcast? All you have to do is head over to Apple Podcasts and do three simple things. First, leave a rating and review telling me what you thought about the podcast. And in that review, ask anything you want regarding sales, business, or a guest you'd like me to interview on a future episode. And if you want a shout out, leave your Instagram handle or name. That's all. Then listen in to hear your question answered on the next Q&A episode. Join us next time on the B2B Growth Accelerator Podcast.